The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. It's a party, Joel. <laughs> we are 25 episodes old today. Joel, did you ever think we'd make it this far? I mean, as I've said before, I thought we would either do like two episodes or we would do this for a long time. So, I mean, I'm glad that we've uh, we've stuck with it and it's uh, something I look forward to every week. So uh, I'm having fun. I hope that all you listeners out there having fun and, and telling your friends who also like wrestling. Uh, so how long are you going to have that go? I was gonna, I was gonna see until you, you said something. <laughs> but well, there you go. I said something. Well, congratulations, Joel. I did not have the same optimism as you. I thought I was gonna buy all this equipment and we would do absolutely nothing with it. So <laughs> well, we've been talking about doing a podcast for years now. So so is every I, man over the age of twenty five ever. <laughs> like, well, I mean. I don't know that I would go that far, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a pretty common thing these days, but I, I think it's, it's significant that our first choice stuck, you know, like we I didn't have right. a bunch of false starts where we came up with different concepts and, and then finally settled on something. So I think that's significant. Um, yeah. <clears throat> one thing like I want to highlight from our 25 episodes, we technically have like five more that we never publish, but. 25 live episodes is I've, I've learned so much just from watching every single week and being able to consistently like to, to go and say, Oh, look at what this guy did three weeks ago. We, we know it and we can see progress and growth and stuff like that. So, um, it's made me a better wrestling fan. I don't know about you, Joel. I think it's maybe a worse wrestling fan. Yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> why? Why is that? I think always I'm, the negative. I'm always op- optimistic. It, I, it is what it is. I, I think I'm. I guess you know, worse isn't really the right word, but I think I'm critical in a different way. Um, and I think, and and don't don't take this the wrong way because I love doing the podcast, but I think it's harder for me to get drawn into the experience of watching wrestling now, if I know that I'm going to be talking about it later, because I'm not just thinking about what's happening in front of me. I'm thinking about what I want to say about it. And is this a segment I want to talk about? So I think, you know, that aspect of it is a little bit different, Um, but I'm definitely more observant. I'm definitely paying closer attention. You know, I used to watch wrestling. I would just put it on and kind of be, idly doing something else until a segment came on that grabbed my attention. And and now I, you know, very intentional about paying attention to every single segment because you never know when something's going to happen that, you know, I want to use for a random observation or that we want to use for a segment for the show. So it's definitely changed the way I watch. And uh, I think it, you know, ends up being a value neutral, right? So like I might, enjoy aspects of it less while I'm watching, but I enjoy other aspects more because I know that I'm going to have that experience of breaking it down on the pod and hanging out with you. So yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What has been your favorite moment since we started doing this podcast? And I'm talking about something on AEW television or pay-per-views. What's been your favorite moment? Oh man, that's, um, that's really tough. I think um, I'll give give you mine. I'll give you mine. I'll give you time to think. It was the first show where they had no crowd. 
So it was the weekend after you were up here, weekend after Revolution, where we not only got the debut of the Exalted One, Brody Lee, but we got the debut of Broken Matt Hardy. And those two characters really majorly influenced the quarantine tapings. And then we had awesome payouts with their their characters at Double or Nothing. So I think that would be it for me. If I had to go a specific match, I don't know how we can't uh, discuss the tag team match from Revolution or the Iron Man match between Omega and Pac. Those are probably my two favorite matches from our time being podcasters. So I think uh, I'm going to go with a slightly different tack on this one, uh, surprising no one. Uh, (laughs) And uh, for me, it was seeing Orange Cassidy try for the first time. (laughs) You know, Orange Cassidy was a talent that was brand new to me. I had never seen him before watching AEW. And that first match that he really turned it on against Pac was unreal. and it kind of opened me up a little bit more to different styles of pro wrestling and what pro wrestling can be. And in thinking back on, you know, what we were expecting, what we were looking forward to when AEW was announced, I think, and I think I can speak for both of us on this. I think we were kind of expecting that it was going to be, you know, a new Japan style promotion in the U S that, you know, was maybe a little bit more story driven. And what we've gotten instead is more like the full range of what pro wrestling is and the different styles that are represented in, you know, this different buffet of flavors. So we've gotten something totally different. And I think that the match that Orange Cassidy had, and that was also at Revolution, I believe, uh, is yep. is emblematic of, that kind of statement of this is what all elite wrestling is and what pro wrestling can be when you take the handcuffs off. That That's a great, that's a great one there. I love that match too. And orange Cassidy has become one of my favorite AEW wrestlers period. So, and one last thing before we move on to the main show, Joel, just imagine if we were doing this podcast, but it was for raw and SmackDown. If we were doing a WWE <laughs> podcast, if we had set out to do that and I had to watch Raw and SmackDown every week, I don't think we would have made it this far. I really, really <laughs> don't. Uh, it might have been a week or two and I would have given up because, I mean, I don't watch WWE at all anymore. Like, I haven't seen a second of WWE television since mania right mania that was that was it i i said before wrestlemania that i was going to watch that show and then i was done and you know as much as i loved that show i i kind of let it be that perfect send-off so i'm not not going back i'm i'm done so yeah i've i've watched the pay-per-views and i'm gonna watch takeover and i don't know i'll probably get back into it at some point but their presentation with no crowd right now is so far below what AEW is doing. I, I don't think about how the crowd is empty at AEW. And I think it helps that the stage takes up a lot of the view because it doesn't draw your attention that there's barely any people in the crowd. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll probably watch it at some point. 
Um, I'll let you know if it gets better. Maybe we'll have like a WrestleMania 31 moment again where it draws you back in like it did when Rollins and Sting and all that. So who knows? But let's talk about why we're here. And we don't really need to do a catch up because we just did it. So, Joel, why don't you run through tonight's show? The dynamite that was. Yeah, eight minutes and 20 seconds in. Welcome to the other wrestling show. I'm here as always with Mike. And uh, the show started off with Chris Jericho joining the commentary team. And uh, he was out there for most of the show, including the first match of the night between The Butcher and The Blade and a debuting FTR who unsurprisingly got the pinfall victory in that affair. Next up, we were treated to a tag team match in the women's division, Nyla Rose and Penelope Ford teaming up against Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander. Uh, The pinfall victory was acquired by Penelope Ford in that match, and uh, that was followed up by a vignette with Tony Hawk. Yes, that Tony Hawk and Darby Allin. And uh, we also got a vignette from our number one role model, Dr. Britt Baker. And we got a match between the inner circle and best friends. And uh, the pinfall victory was acquired there by best friends. And after the match, there was a whole kerfuffle where uh, Chris Jericho came to the ring and uh, smashed Orange Cassidy with a sack full of oranges. So something I'd never seen in pro wrestling before. That was followed up by a match between Sammy Guevara and Colt Cabana. Sammy getting the pinfall victory. And uh, then Colt Cabana was confronted by members of the Dark Order who are following up and and trying to get him to to submit his application. They want him to join the Dark Order. After that, we saw a vignette of uh, down on his luck and feeling down Joey Janela uh, getting his spirits lifted and uh, teaming up with Sonny Kiss. Uh, and we got a, a to be continued on that vignette. So expect to see more in the coming weeks. We got a showdown in the parking lot between John Moxley and Brian Cage that uh, broke down and turned into a bit of a brawl. And uh, then the main event with Cody defending the TNT championship as part of his open challenge against Mark Quinn. Cody getting the submission victory and after the match was attacked by Jake Hager and then everything broke down into utter chaos and Cody challenged Jake Hager to a match at Fighter Fest. Mike, what stood out to you from this week? Stock up, stock down. Well, let's start with the the, the end of the show, the TNT open challenge between Cody and Mark Quinn. What a star making performance uh, from Mark Quinn tonight. We are, we knew he could work, but my God, what, (laughs) what an insane showing from him. And I think I texted you. One thing I really loved about this entire match is that Quinn's knee injury from last week played a massive role into the storytelling of this match. Um, from almost the very beginning, commentary emphasized it. Cody went after it early on. You could see Quinn selling it and also doing his moves with the injury, quote unquote. You know, he, he, there was one way he was running across the ring to do the flip out of the ring and he's like skipping because he's selling the leg injury and he still hit the move, not going at full speed. So 
Uh, dude's an incredible athlete. What a showing. And I know you are a massive, 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 massive Marquen fan. So, uh, Joel, what'd you think of this match? I loved it. I, I was thoroughly entertained and super impressed. I think it's a very different thing to excel and look great in a tag team match when you have other people to you know, distract from any mistakes that you might make or cover for you if you're out of position. And in a singles match, a lot of times younger wrestlers with less experience get exposed a little bit when you know maybe their timing is a little bit off or they're not running the ropes perfectly and so they get a little bit out of position. But I thought Mark Quinn looked fantastic in this match. His selling, as you mentioned, was on point. I loved when he went for the... Uh, top rope dive and just kind of crumpled and fell to the to the ground or to the to the ring and he just made everything look really really good and Cody kind of started off by working the arm in this match and then quickly transitioned to working the leg when it became clear that okay this is my bullseye this is my target this is how I'm going to get the win and I liked that the finish was you know, basically an improvised submission hold, not something that you would see him pull out in any match, Mm -hmm. but something that was specific to this story and and what they were doing in this match. I really, really love that. Yeah, the shooting star into the ankle lock was really impressive. Looked like some Kurt Angle stuff from back in the day. And I know that Kurt Angle's on the top of Cody's list when he left WWE, so I see you. And that was really, really cool spot. Um, I love the 450 splash onto the ramp. Um, because yeah. you always see like, oh man, his the person doing the splash could hit their face. <laughs> so like I was nervous. Well, there's gonna stairs just right forehead. there. I mean, yeah, there's not a missed, whole lot of room for error when you do that spot. If you miss by six inches, he's getting that right to the dome. Um, so just just incredible uh stuff there. Um, you know, we we've been talking about diversity a lot lately and it really made me feel well seeing mark quent in the main event and the fact that it looked like he belonged there was no moment in that match where i felt like this was too much for him or too big for him and we've had similar discussions with like jungle boy last week you know orange Cassidy before we're like when they're given these shots they don't they don't fade you know they they lean into it and they perform like we know they can so um, just really love seeing Quentin in this spot. Um, let's transition to the part of this segment that I didn't necessarily enjoy. And you made a comment about this earlier, but we're getting Jake Hager at versus potentially Cody at fighter fest. Ugh, like so, we're not getting a match like we just got with Mark Quinn or jungle boy out of Hager. And the fact that, like I would, I thought it was gonna be Hager Cody next week for the challenge. I would have been okay with that, but now we have three weeks to build, and you know Cody's still having his challenges. So it's not like, you know, I know it's like, ooh, will Cody still be champion by the time he gets to Fighter Fest? But I just, I'm, I don't like Hager matches, and for what is supposed to be a free pay per view, I get it. Hager has some notoriety outside of the professional wrestling world, but 
I thought there could be way, way better opponents for what is a showcase for AEW. I agree. However, what I will say is I think their styles will work very well together. They both have very, very strong amateur wrestling backgrounds. Of course, Hager was a three-time All-American at University of Oklahoma, and Cody was an All-State wrestler in Georgia. And I think he either was undefeated or his only loss was to Xavier Woods. Um, I can't remember who won. I know that one of them is undefeated and one of them only lost once. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and yes, that Xavier Woods. Um, But I think they could put on a really interesting and different style of match uh, and something that could be a really good look for Jake Hager and allow Cody to lean in more to his amateur wrestling cred and pull out some really interesting stuff. You know, it it reminds me of what we saw uh, when Gable wrestled Kurt Angle. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we could see something like that. And that was a really cool moment in in those last weeks of Kurt Angle's career. So I, I just think there's, I'm not willing to rule out the possibility that this could be a really entertaining match, given the fact that they both have this background and could work very well together. The other thing is, when has Cody had a bad match since the beginning of AEW? Well, he's never wrestled someone like <laughs> Jake Hager, who I still say I've never seen a match of his that I've enjoyed. <laughs> so, you know, um, I just don't think he has the chops or the work rate to make it entertaining. Um, and, you know, I'm real worried that the storyline for the next three weeks is going to be Jake Hager trying to get Cody to drop the belt in their challenges, whether that involves them interfering or attacking him prior to the match, which if that's the case, that really kills the whole point of the open challenge for me. Cause I love that the open challenge has been like you saw with jungle boy, you saw with Quen, like them hugging and shaking hands afterwards. Like it's a testament to competition and if it devolves into, oh, it's just Hager trying to make sure that he fights someone less than Cody, then I'm really going to hate hate that. Like, I'm, I just don't think it's going to be something I'm going to enjoy. And I'll, I'll watch it, you know, I'll watch it and I'll, like I always do. And if it, if it surprises me, then yeah, sweet. Um, but like we learned, I don't know, I learned that I don't want Hager carrying main event matches. And... This may not be the main event, but it could be because there's two weeks of Fighter Fest. So it could be a main event of the show. And I just don't think Hager belongs there. And I thought the segment was a little overbooked at the end. Like, you know, you could have done the stare down and the message would have been sent. There's enough bad blood between Cody and the inner circle, the elite in the inner circle that you could have just said, oh, Hager wants his now. Like you didn't need to do the stare down. They didn't need the inner circle coming out to brawl. Then Matt Hardy and private party. And I know Matt Hardy has something with um, Sammy, but like it it didn't need all of that. It could have just been Hager comes out, points to Cody. And the announcer says, oh, look, we are set our next TNT challenge. Or they could have just had that happen. And Cody's like, fine, you want it? You got it. Fighter Fest without everything else that happened. I thought it was just a little overbooked. I could see that. I didn't feel that way watching it. 
because like you said, all of the players who were involved, they weren't just out there for kicks, right? They all had connections to one another. So it didn't feel like contrived to me because you had Mark Quinn already out at the ring. So it makes sense that Isaiah Cassidy back and then came out like he went backstage and then came out with the same. Right. But he was, he was already out there earlier in the segment. Like it, it makes sense that he would, you know, and especially given, like you said, the, the, uh, respect that he got from Cody, it makes sense that they would be the ones to run out and make the save. Especially if they're maintaining this concept that, you know, the the wrestlers are not immediately available in the gorilla position uh, in the way that we're used to, which is kind of something they had established during the quarantine recordings. Yep. Uh, so I, I think there was some continuity ar- across the board with how that went down and it didn't bother me. But I could see how it would it it felt that way. I just it I didn't yeah. feel that way to me. Yeah, and I I just felt it took away from a really good match, and that was my main concern because we had a we had a star making moment from Quinn, and I, the thing I'm thinking about now is the post match when it should have just been Quinn. But I think we can move on unless you have anything else to say about this uh, match and segment. No, let's move on. Uh, I know something that I wanted to throw a stock up to was the tag team match in the women's division between uh, Nyla Rose and Penelope Ford and Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander. I thought this was a really, really fun match. And once again, a great showcase for all four of these competitors, but especially Penelope Ford. I think this is probably the best that she's looked bell to bell. And she was the star of this match in a lot of ways. Yeah, I I also want to give an uh, ups to Statlander. that She looked the best I think I've seen her and she looked healthy. I know, you know, our one of our big major impressions from her was at um, Revolution when she was sick, and I don't think any of that is slowing her down now. She looked really good in this match, too. Um, I think these four women, you know, we kind of had a similar match just a few weeks ago. Um, take out uh, Penelope and add Baker. Um, but I like the team of Sheeta and Statlander, and just some really good stuff here. You know, we... Uh, the Matrix Stunner from uh, Penelope Ford looks so freaking clean. And I just, the athleticism to be able to do that. Michelle tried to do that in our front yard this week. The kind of like where you do the flip and try to like land on your back. And she, she, she was sore, really sore the next day. So I know it's not <laughs> easy. And the double diving knee from Nyla was really impressive. And I thought, uh, Sheeta and Statlander did a good job of taking that move. And like they even kind of moved in unison with it. Yeah, as they, they were hit. very synchronous. Yeah, like it looks like um, synchronized swimmers. Like they moved at the same rate and everything. So um, I think uh, we we are kind of it's it's weird because there's there's like four women we're seeing every single week and then you include Big Swole. But I definitely think with the women that haven't been on the tapings recently, uh, there's definitely some depth issues right now. Um, and I just hope that it's not just Nyla Rose, Nyla Rose, Nyla Rose versus Sheeta, then Statlander, then Sheeta, then Statlander, because we've seen both of those matches um, pretty you know, often over the last few months. It kind of feels like Penelope Ford is being positioned to pop and in. That's my hope. And- if she's the challenger for Fighter Fest, I think that's a has a chance to be a really, really good match. 
Well, she got the pinfall in this match, and you know that's kind of a big deal. And my spot of the match, and and maybe my spot of the night, was that fisherman suplex pin to end Mm -hmm. the match. I mean, she arched so so much, and you know if you if you watch it closely, she's even after she finishes the move and establishes the bridge, she's scooting her feet back to arch herself even higher. And I like that attention to detail because in how these moves are explained to us, you know, the higher angle applies more pressure Mm -hmm. downward on the person that you're trying to pin. So, you know, it makes sense that something that kind of, you know, isn't really a typical finisher would get the win over the champion in that match. So I really liked it. I thought that the whole transition into the finish was timed very, very well with the distraction and the hit with the belt. I just thought it went really well and it was a super clean finish. I was really excited to see Ford get the victory. As we know, I'm a huge mark for Penelope Ford. I think she's fantastic. And I'm glad that she's getting more of a spotlight. You know, this was something that we kind of talked about with Britt Baker going out is who's going to step up, who's going to fill that void. And if it's Penelope Ford, Who's filling that void? I'm here for that. Well, we don't have much of a void because Britt Baker had another awesome vignette. We can get to that in a little bit. Um, but back back here, I really um I, I I liked the finish because normally when you see the the championship uh shot, usually they just go right into the pin because they know they're knocked out. I, I I just loved her actually then hitting the fisherman suplex. And then did you notice like when she after the pin, she kind of like Matrix herself back up too. Like she didn't just like roll to her knees and stand up. She kind of like went. Like yeah, a, she's really impressive. <laughs> like like Alistair Black entrance, you know, <laughs> just like a, less screamo though. Um, yeah, I I I think if this leads to Sheeta Ford at Fighter Fest, and I know I just said I hope it's not just Nyla Rose versus blah 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 blah, but it seems like there could be a a a rematch here for Chris Statlander and Nyla Rose if they need to get a another women's match onto the Fighter Fest card. Or I would even be, wouldn't be opposed to some sort of multi-woman match involving Big Swole. Maybe that's how we set up our next number one contender or something like that, just to get, because Big Swole's been doing some impressive stuff lately too. I was a little disappointed she wasn't on the main show this week either. Yeah, Excuse I... Me. I- I'd really like to see a rematch between Nyla Rose and Chris Statlander because I feel like we got robbed of that match because she was sick. And I know that's something we've talked about multiple times. We probably should stop talking about it. But, <laughs> you know, until we get that match, I'm I'm going to be kind of wondering, like, what could that match have really been? Because you've got two of the most powerful and athletic people on the roster going at it and we didn't get to see them at a hundred percent. So, you know, I, I hope that is, you know, and, and like you said, it's two nights. So there better be more than one women's match at fighter fest across two mm-hmm. different nights of television. Uh, so I think that would be a great way to make that happen. Or like you said, the two of them and then throw in a few other women from the roster and the women's division has looked best when they've put, four women in the ring who have good chemistry, know what they're doing and can put on a really entertaining and well put together match. And that's what we saw. Yeah. And I think if you put some sort of stipulation there, cause you know, 
they only have three, two and a half, three weeks. So make it about the title. Just make it a future title shot. Um, you know, get get Big Swole in there. Maybe if they can get Sha- Shana, Shana, I can never get it right. Shana. <laughs> Shana. And neither one was right. Shana. <laughs> um, you know, if they can get B Priestley back to, you know, those those could be some people who can really put on a uh, a fabulous match. Um, anything else about the women's tag match before we move on? Oh, I think we can move on. And uh, I know something that was uh, a bit of a stock down for both of us was uh, the four man booth. Yeah. And uh, it didn't work, man. Yeah. It didn't work. You know, I, I think, I think they tried to go back to the well with putting Chris Jericho on commentary and he was so good when it was just him and Shivani during the quarantine tapings. But now that we have Excalibur back, now that we have Jim Ross back, it's tough to have enough air for three people, let alone four, let alone four people when you have someone like Chris Jericho who talks Dominates, a lot. yeah. I mean, he really dominated the air and didn't really have much to say. You know, a, a couple of times he said basically the exact same thing that Tony Schiavone had just said moments before in slightly different words and it didn't add really anything. And I think it was a a huge contrast from how he was during those quarantine tapings where he was adding a lot to the flavor of the broadcast. You know, we barely heard from Shivani at all the entire time that Chris Jericho was on commentary because there just wasn't really any air. Yeah. Well, well, what I liked about Jericho during the quarantine tapings is that yeah, he was in character, but he wasn't playing like the heel commentator the entire time. You know, if there was someone in the elite pop up, he would trash them. Or if the inner circle was in the match, he would praise them. But for the most part, he was pretty straight with his calls. And he actually provided some good analysis of holds and, you know, leverage on pins. And it felt like this week, all he did was to corny heelish Jericho stuff, which I don't blame him because what else is he going to do? You know, Excalibur is amazing at play by play. (laughs) Like, you know, he's screaming these moves out faster than I can even think of what the move is. JR, we know legend can provide some legitimacy and Shivani's also incredible too. So it just, there wasn't room for him to work. And you mentioned it. If if you're, uh, you texted me it. If you're going to have Jericho on commentary, you got to take someone off for the week. Like, have JR stay home next week if they want to do Jericho on commentary or do it for a match or two and then bring out the other commentary. They do that on um, WWE sometimes. They 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 have someone there and then, oh, they got distracted and they had to leave, so they bring someone else back out. Like, I remember when, um, I think I think it was when Samoa Joe was gone commentary earlier this year. He got attacked. So they're like, oh, okay, well, hey, Todd Phillips is here, blah, 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 whatever, you know? Like, I just, it didn't work. Um, and it could work if it was like for a match or two, but four man booth for the almost entirety of the show. That was rough. I got well, nothing really else to say on that. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's, let's end this segment on a high note and uh, let's throw a stock up to the debut of FTR against the butcher and the blade. Uh, wait, I think wait, wait. I got one. I got one thing to say. It's a stock up because the match was great, but it's still a stock down that the bunny's not with the butcher and the blade. I you hear me, Cody. You hear me? Um, hard disagree. Hard, hard bunny. disagree. Hard disagree. 
<laughs> I will say this. They're better but, without her. Oh, no, no. I love them as a trio and I loved her manager skills. And Look, she I'm was ex- great as a manager, but I think. And, and maybe I should put it this way. I think what they've done without her has been better than what they were doing with her. And, uh, you know, one person that I know would would rather see the the bunny with them than what she's doing right now is, is Dustin Rhodes. But <laughs> that's a different thing we could talk about another time. Well, thank God they didn't come out in their beach gear. Like, right? Like, they were wearing, like, white pants and white shirts the last two weeks. I was glad to see my leather-bound baddies back. And my badasses from Buffalo came to work. And they I thought they held their own against what we know is one of the best tag teams, not just now, but ever. So, Joel, tell me about FTR and what you thought of their debut in our favorite wrestling company. I really loved it. Um, I know I sound like a broken record, but this was a really good episode of Dynamite. And this match was a great way to kick things off. I have to say that I think the performer of the match was the butcher. Yes. He looked great. Uh, I don't think we've seen him move this well. I know a lot of people uh, in their new quarantine existence have been throwing themselves really hard into working out myself included. (laughs) And it shows, I mean, he seemed a step faster. He looked more impactful with his moves. We've seen him throw that running high cross body before. Oh my God. Ray Wyatt, but (laughs) man, it's never looked that good. And, you know, maybe part of it is that he's in there with two guys who can sell like nobody else. I mean, FTR are incredible workers and they make their opponents look really good. Uh, You know, they had, in my opinion, multiple five-star matches in NXT and were completely squandered on the main roster of the other wrestling company. But it's great to see that they're back in a company that appreciates tag team wrestling. And Mm -hmm. I really feel like the emphasis is shifting back towards tag team wrestling in AEW. That was oh, yeah. the, the start of the company. It was all about tag team wrestling. And then we we kind of got into establishing the singles divisions and building those up. And I think we've turned the uh, intensity back up within the tag division. And um, I, I really, really can't say enough good things about this match. Yeah, that, that running cross body was the most impactful thing, I think, on the show. It looked devastating and i'm i think i got i think i can identify dax versus cash i I think i think um you know talking about 25 episodes the biggest thing i've been able to learn in the last 25 weeks has been which one's matt which one's nick and the young bucks so i'm gonna take i'm gonna take that lesson and hopefully won't take me as long to learn which one's cash which one's what is it dax (laughs) so here's here's the really easy way to remember and this applies to both of these groups okay which one's bald right exactly cash has hair (laughs) okay cash Cash has hair Uh, who was cash in wwe he was dash god damn it okay (laughs) (laughs) and um and then for the bucks matt has facial hair yep i've never seen that's how i did it I've never seen Nick with facial hair and and I haven't ever had a hard time telling them apart, but you know, 
maybe if if you're watching a, a crappy stream of an NJPW match from a few years back, you know, because their quality has gone up over the years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little bit harder to tell. And I think especially as they've gotten older, it's gotten easier to tell them apart. I saw an old match of theirs from Impact. Um, oh, and it's like, you really can't tell the difference between the two of them in that old <laughs> match. Um, but yeah, okay. So FTR, freaking phenomenal. Um, that catch power slam from Cash. Yeah, that looked Orton, really good. Does that deserve an Orton rating? <laughs> like, I mean, I know it's, it's not, not the same type. It's not a traditional Randy Orton style power slam, but I mean, I think if if I'm rating it, it gets an asterisk because it, you know, it's not the same setup. But five stars, five Orton. Yeah, I mean, it was it looked it was so good and it was so fast. So fast, so effortless. And there were some moves in this match I haven't seen in a while, like the dragon screw to the butcher. I haven't seen anyone do a dragon screw in a long time. And that big brain buster to the blade I thought was really sweet too. I haven't seen someone do it like that in a while. Um, and my one of my favorite spots of the match was the superplex from Dax and then like the elbow drop from Cash um, from the the other turnbuckle. It was, it was really great. And I... I the amount of tag team moves in this match from both ends were um, pretty impressive. And I loved the, the final spots where they did the, what was it called? Um, their move mind from, breaker. So they did the mind breaker, which was the like pile driver. Yeah. The assistant spike the pile driver. Yep. And then what was the one they, that, that they used to do in WWE? What'd they call it? Uh, they called it the good night express. Good night express. Um, and we're used to seeing that move in matches because that's how they end matches in the other wrestling companies. So um, to then pull out this mind breaker move um, was really impressive and very impactful. And we can't talk about this match without talking about the post-match confrontation with the Young Bucks. Do you agree with the statement that they've been carrying tag team wrestling on their own for the last decade? Ah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, the gorillas of destiny would have something to say about that. I feel like the Briscoes would have something to say about that. Oh yeah. I feel like Rapongi vice would have something to say about that. I mean, there's so many great tag teams out there on the independent scene. And I've only been naming tag teams from new Japan and ring of honor. I could go on. Uh, Jay lethal and, and, Jonathan Gresham would have something to say about that. Those two are amazing. Uh, But I I do think that they can claim more credit than any other tag team for the rise back to prominence of tag team wrestling. No, we didn't even mention the Lucha bros. (laughs) Sure. I mean, absolutely. And, and you can, you can go on. There's so many really, really great tag teams, but none of them were the same level of draw as the Young Bucks. I mean, the Bucks... I mean, Bucks, Exhibit A, we have AEW because of the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and the Bucks, you know, famously said they couldn't afford to take the pay cut to go to WWE because they wouldn't get as much money from their merchandise sales if they were going through WWE. And, you know, their ability to bring money into wrestling promotions around the world simply by showing up because they were such a huge draw. I think 
gives them the right to make claims like that. Yeah. So we are heading straight to a Young Bucks FTR show showdown. You, I believe that has to be at Fighter Fest. They can't possibly stretch this out to all out, can they? I Just don't think the way so. they can. I mean, if they had built up towards FTR having a match with Butcher and the Blade at Fighter, then I think they could have had mm-hmm. the the match with the Bucks pushed off. But I think it's more likely that we see this match at Fighter. Now, what you could see, if we want to put on our prognostication caps, is you could see them work to a draw at Fighter, um, which I think would be a really interesting story to tell. You know, like they're trying to settle once and for all who's the best tag team on the planet. You know, that's what sparked the whole fuck the revival thing was the revival in NXT saying we're the best tag team on the planet and the Bucks being like, um, excuse us, we're on the planet. <laughs> yes. So I think that would be a really interesting story to have them just have a knockdown drag out fight at fighter fest and, you know, go to a 30 minute draw non-finish. And I'm, you know, I think the draw is a great tool and it's a tool that should be used sparingly. But mm-hmm. we haven't seen a draw since uh, Darby Allen and yeah. uh, Cody on the at, was that Fighter Fest last year? I believe that was Fighter Fest last year. So it was that or Fight for the Fallen? I can't remember which one. I think it was Fighter Fest, and and so it's you know it's been a year. I think it's okay now to go back to that well and to to use that as a storytelling tool. I think that would be great, and then you could have their you know their rematch at an actual pay per view hopefully in front of a crowd um, and, you know, see what they can do in those circumstances. Cause I think that's a match that you, you really do want a crowd for if you can get one. Yeah. Okay. So the tag team division in general, we both probably agree is the best thing that AW has right now. Right? Yeah, I would agree with that. And Joel, what is your favorite summer pastime as a professional wrestling fan? Uh, the G1 tournament. You know what they should do from Fighter Fest to All Out? Oh my god. They should do a tag team G1. I <laughs> I'm here for that. Yeah. Well, just think about it. Right now, these are the top 6 teams according to the rankings. So you obviously have Omega and Page, tag team champions, of course, mm-hmm. are on the list. But you have the Bucks, you have SCU, you have Doc Order, you have Santana Ortiz, you have the Lucha Bros. That doesn't include FTR. That doesn't include the natural nightmares. That doesn't include whoever they want to have team up with Sean Spears if they went this route. Like, <laughs> I mean, and they, you know, you've also got the Butcher and the Blade. You've got Joey Butcher Janela and, and Sonny Kiss. You could yep. throw the Beaver Boys in there. I mean, there's yep. multiple factions of the Evil War, uh, Dark Order. You got Uno and Grayson, and then like Beaver Boys are 10. You five and 10. Move. You could put five and 10 together. Five and 10 together. Yeah. So you could have like two blocks of six teams each. Hell, bring in some other teams too. Like we know they have deals with indie promotions to bring teams in. You're going to need teams to take the fall. And you could have, you know, this whole thing with the Bucks and FTR, like we're the best tag team now. We're the best tag team. Well, then you have a G1 style block tournament to figure out the best team. And you put the tag team champions, whoever they are in it as well. Because what, you know, and they get to, if they don't get the title match, you know, they can choose their opponent, whatever, you know, you could do what they do with, 
the champion being in the G1. So I want to get your thoughts on that because I would love to see something like that happen. And I'm going to tweet the hell out of AEW to get them to do it. And I think they have enough time as well because you could yeah. you could put matches on Dark and Dynamite yep. each week and really make it the summer of tag team wrestling. That would be amazing. And I, I would be totally down to see that and just have the finals be at all out. Yep. Or you even make it two teams from each block. And then you have them like at the old King of the Ring. They have two matches on the main card. You know, they have to both work. Like, I think something like that could be really, really great. Man, we didn't and, even mention the Lucha Bros, the Hybrid 2. Yeah. Hybrid I mean, 2. Uh, oh, I didn't even mention Super Bad Death Squad. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, <laughs> there are so they, many great tag yeah. teams. Santana and Ortiz. Yeah, oh, I mentioned them on the rankings. That's right, because they're, they're, in, the they're rankings. in the rankings. But uh, there's so many teams that they could do this. And that's not even counting teams that you would just throw together. Like, say, you know... Uh, I am Brian Cage and I am the murder hawk and I'm mad that I'm not involved in this. Well, guess what? You have the murder hawk machine. Like there are teams you could throw together because they do that all the time. And like some of the NJPW tournaments, like yeah. these guys, Hey, we want to be in this tournament. So we're going to team up. Like, I think there would be so much potential and it would give us something, you know, it's kind of like how the TNT tournament was our focus during quarantine. It's like, Hey, we need to, we need something to get people riled up. You do this, mm-hmm. ratings bonanza. So I, best idea I've ever had, I'm, I'm, <laughs> like, go me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think but, that might be the best idea you've ever had. I mean, that that really... <laughs> I'm not, other than this podcast, which... <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... That I guess was my idea. Than, what are you talking about? I was, uh, well, I, execution, whatever. <laughs> I'm you know? kidding, I'm uh, kidding. But um, yeah, so I, I just, they they have this distinct advantage over every wrestling company in the world. They need to use it. And I think that would be the perfect way to do it. And if you, if you want to get the belts off Kenny Omega and page and have them do something else, you can, but you can also still have them compete in other stuff too. Like Omega and page can be in the tag uh, tournament, but also still have individual storylines going on if they want to challenge for other things. So I think think that also kind of closes the loop of, you know, how can these two teams be duking it out for the title of best tag team in the world if they're not even the champions of their own company? So if you have Paige and Omega in that tournament, then, you know, it it kind of ices that out. So I really like that. And I think I'd have to count the weeks to see, like, could you actually do the full block schedule, everybody fights everybody kind of setup? Yeah. But I think what? there's enough time to make it happen. We should we should make a we should make a bracket. We should make a a block system and and post it on the the interwebs. Like our 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 predicted uh, AEW G one. Too bad they don't have the the name Dusty Rhodes because this could be the Dusty Rhodes Classic. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on that note, we really should transition to lightning round because and it needs to be a true lightning round because we are running long. Mm-hmm. lightning round mind if i go first here go for it you know how we always mention that oh kenny omega just had that moment where he did ten thousand things in like four seconds yeah orange cassidy had that today he he kicked hager in the shins and then Ca- cassidy trips him out of the ring he does a double hurricane run it's a santana ortiz tope suicided to hager 
did a splash onto Ortiz from the turnball goal and then hit a tornado DDT all in the span of like 15, 20 seconds. It was the closest I've seen to another wrestler turning it on like Kenny had has done. And I just thought it was amazing. And Cassidy is such a special talent. Dude's got a motor. So I wanted to talk about, and we kind of already mentioned this, uh, Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. Uh, I, I think these two are some of the most underutilized wrestlers on the roster. And we've seen them tag together a couple of times and they have really, really great chemistry. So I think it's excellent that we're seeing these two put together in a tag team. And I think that, you know, every time Sunny Kiss steps in the ring, you get great entertainment. So I'm looking forward to where is this tag team going to go? And, you know, just give me more great tag team wrestling. It'd be perfect for our tournament. (sighs) Um, Moving on, I liked Matt Hardy's promo against Sammy. Basically saying, I see young Matt Hardy. I respect that. And to maximize your potential, you need to get away from Chris Jericho. And I don't feel I don't feel like they would drop that line if Sammy isn't going to have this kind of, you know, internal uh, debate about whether or not Matt's right. And I hope to see that play out. It'd be nice to give Sammy something that he can sink his teeth into. Um, and I like that Matt Hardy is kind of the one who's like pushing him on that. I think it can be really interesting, interesting what they do with it. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, something I wanted to mention in lightning round is Colt Cabana really looking like he's going to join the Uh dark order. And, Uh you know, they've teased this a number of times as I was watching the show. Uh, My wife pointed out, like, is this actually for real? Like they keep doing this kind of will they, won't they thing. They did it with Christopher Daniels and, and they've had a few other people like seem like they might be interested in joining the dark order. But they're really pushing this with Colt Cabana. And I think he would be hilarious in the Dark Order, especially if he joined, but just like didn't get it. And (laughs) I could totally see that. So many different ways you could go with it. So I'm excited about that. Well, on the flip side, I like to see Cabana go a darker route. You know, maybe he has a different character he can he can do there, you know, so be very interesting to see. my, one of my items for lightning now is I can't wait for Billy Gunn to beat the shit out of MJF. Um, <laughs> like, sorry, just Billy. The gun is no longer owned by him. <laughs> um, but um, I would love to see him just smush MJF's head with his thighs because they're massive. <laughs> um, the last thing I have for lightning round is I I really enjoyed the. Uh, Darby Allen crashing and burning over and over and over again on his skateboard because I feel like we got a peek at like authentically who Darby Allen is as a person. And I also always love getting a uh, Tony Hawk sighting. He's yeah. Random cameo of the week. Like <laughs> it was very weird. And you know, I'm going to end lightning round with uh God. Did we, did we, we didn't talk about the, the brawl that much did we between cage and moxley no we did not uh i loved the intensity from taz when he confronted uh mox and i i enjoyed the brawl in general and i really loved with taz saying like no no he's had enough message sent and cage is like nope <laughs> and just lunged him <laughs> straight into the hood of that car so i'm getting excited for that match um i still find it odd that 
you know, the world title isn't getting longer segments. You know, neither Cage or Moxley had a match on Dynamite. I know Moxley was on Dark, but um, yeah, just I really liked the the short segment that we did have, and I'm excited for that match, and I'm leaning towards that being the match I'm looking forward to the most at Fighter Fest as stuff develops. It's definitely the match I'm looking forward to the most at Fighter Fest, although it's it's a close second is going to be whatever FTR and the Young Bucks end up doing. Um, I do want to highlight really quickly the match that John Moxley had with Robert Anthony on mm-hmm. Dark is worth a watch. It's almost 20 minutes long, and it's a different kind of John Moxley from what you're used to seeing. So go check it out. He's showing his range. Well, he's showing his dimension as a pro wrestler, and it's definitely worth the time. Yep. All right, Joel, do you have a random observation for us this week? You know I do. I got one too, so I'm going to share it after the your yours. Joel's random observation of the week. I'm glad that we're finally acknowledging how sexy Kip Sabian is. Uh, I think it's something that's been flying under the radar, and I appreciated Jericho calling it out on commentary. Oh, well, yeah, we has that been a secret? I mean, it just hasn't really been talked about. So, you know, I'm glad that it's out there and, and good for Chris Jericho for bringing it up. Well, then I feel like Jericho needs to be kicked out of the Lasex gods because he's definitely not in the top three if you're combining Kip, <laughs> Jericho, and Sammy. So, because two of those guys have five out of five beef and one has a sad one beef. <laughs> and it ain't Sammy or Kip. And if you don't know what Mike's talking about, Go listen to Yeah, It's That Bad. Uh, the podcast other than this podcast that we reference the most on this podcast. And that podcast hasn't been a podcast for seven years. <laughs> oh, so sad. Um, I have a random observation this week, Joel. Okay. Did you notice that the Blade had had a hairline this week? Yeah, he has for a little while. I haven't noticed it before. He looks like a holly from behind. Yeah, he kind of does. He looks like either... Bob Holly, Branch Holly. Yeah. yeah. I got major Bob Holly vibes with him in the ring this week. And all he would need is a, you know, little cutoff boy shorts and he'd have the look. So I just, that's my, that's my observation. Maybe someday we can get Molly Holly vibes. If he can incorporate some of her better moves into his move set. I wouldn't mind seeing the blade do a Molly go around. I wouldn't mind seeing the blade hit Shane Helms with a frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> I like Shane Helms. Yeah, I do too, man. Um, oh man, the hurricane is my, my bro. So, uh, on that note, you can find us on Facebook at the other wrestling show, Instagram at the other wrestling show. You can find us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. you can find Joel at the other Joel and find me at Michael underscore Aranda. And we are on iTunes, Spotify, Spurterfy, Spotify, and if you're a droid guy like me, you can find us on pretty much any of the Android podcasting apps. And Joel, anything to add before we, well, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. So I guess before we go back to work, me go back to work. I don't know. Yeah. Don't tell anyone that we took a break to record a podcast. It's my lunch break. I'm, good. No, I'm just kidding. I had the day off. So. And it's quarantine. So fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> and with Tony Hawk's awesome cameo on AEW Dynamite, we're going with a bit of a different sound for the outro tonight. 
Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.